Broken trust can be healed, but it's not just time that's going to heal it. You need clear guidance about what to do and what not to do. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've developed a free video course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This course will show you what's needed to begin healing after betrayal. I offer guidance for the betrayed partner as well as the partner who broke the trust. You can access it for free right now by clicking the link in the show notes. In this episode, we're going to talk about self-forgiveness. In the previous episode, I interviewed Dr. Wendy Ulrich, and we talked about forgiving others who have injured us and how forgiveness works and all the different layers that go into forgiveness. And today I'm going to meet with her once again, and we're going to turn the spotlight on ourselves and really explore what it means to offer ourselves forgiveness and more clearly to receive the forgiveness that's available to us from God. Dr. Ulrich has written extensively on forgiveness and self-forgiveness, and I will definitely share her resources in the show notes, but she's an expert on helping people move from being stuck and then reconciling and opening up new opportunities for growth and development. And I'm really excited for you to listen to her and share in her wisdom. If you haven't listened to the previous episode, please go back and do that. You will not be disappointed. So here's my interview with Dr. Wendy Ulrich on self-forgiveness. Okay, Wendy, well, welcome back. And today we're going to switch topics. Uh, it's kind of a continuation. The very end of our last uh, interview, we started. you started to talk about self-forgiveness. We spent the bulk of our time talking about just the challenges with forgiveness in general. But can you just summarize again, as, when we talk about forgiving ourselves, what exactly does that mean? And you know, how is that different than just kind of dealing with general forgiveness of others' injuries to us? Well, first of all, you know, I wrote a book called Forgiving Ourselves, but I, I've always struggled just a little bit with that, even though I think it conveys to us what the challenge is. But in one sense of the word, we can't really forgive ourselves. We can't pronounce ourselves clean. We can't always pay back the debt that we owed. And so at one sense of the word, we can't sort of forgive ourselves. We can choose to accept the forgiveness that is offered to us by the Lord or by someone else. And when we don't do that, that's the problem that I'm trying to address with that idea of forgiving ourselves. We can be pronounced clean. We can even have the Lord communicate to us in spiritual ways that He does not hold us guilty anymore, that we have been forgiven. And we can still struggle and struggle against the grudge that we hold against ourselves and the part of us that wants to just not be that person anymore can beat ourselves up for this mistake or this sin or whatever it is that that happened that one part of us just thinks is ruined our lives and and that we should still be accountable for even though another part of us knows we've done all we can so the process of forgiving ourselves then is back to that quote from Beverly Flanagan letting go of our hope of having a better past that somehow we have to kind of work with what we've got and trust that we aren't here to be perfect. We aren't here to suddenly never make a mistake again. That was Christ's sole prerogative. And we are here to learn from our mistakes, to learn from our errors, to learn from even our sins. And we can do that, but we have to be willing to receive that atonement that he has offered us and move forward and not just stay stuck. Yeah. And I think that that clarification of even just the title of your book is helpful because I mean, it's not as catchy to say, 
you know, doesn't fit on a cover as well to say something like yeah. receiving the forgiveness that God will offer you, but you know, it's just, it's it. yeah, it's a little long. <laughs> it's kind of a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think that, that clarification is important because we, like you said, we, we cannot be the ones to fully forgive ourselves. That's just, that's not how it's designed, but, but it is a choice. It is a choice to receive that. And boy, I don't know about you, but I, in my experience with myself and with, again, with people I work with, it seems like it's so much easier to let other people go. It's been like that for me than to forgive, you know, my own humanness. And has that been your experience too, or am I just? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. I mean, that's not everyone's experience. Better fact, some of the people that were complaining to me at one point about that title, <laughs> uh, I try to explain it in the book. We're sort of saying, you know, I know people who forgive themselves really easily, much too easily, you know, and, and you don't have the right to forgive yourself for something that you've done to hurt somebody else and just decide, oh, well, you know, I did my best, not a big deal. Well, that's true. You really don't. But I think for many members of the church, at least, our bigger challenge is that we hold on to that self-recrimination too long. Yeah, maybe so. We hold yeah. on to it too deeply, and we just really have a hard time letting go of that feeling of and that regret that we hold. And it, unfortunately, the problem is that it begins to get in the way. It begins to get in the way of our relationship with the Lord and of other people. And it begins to get in the way of our progress of re-engaging in the present tense of our lives instead of living in the past, going over and over our regrets. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of the woman who, who's written a book about regret, but she talks about one part of us holding the other part of us sort of hostage, and it just keeps going and going and going. It divides us against ourselves where we aren't able to be at one with ourselves because some part of us is so mad at some other part of us that's so broken you know, and so struggling to be free of that judgment. Yeah, totally. And I think that some people, and I know I've done this before, sometimes we hold on almost as a form of accountability to someone we love, right? That we've hurt. Right. Right. Um, and so we don't feel like we can let ourselves go almost to show them that somehow remorseful and penitent, that just stalls everything out. Well, and, and there is a place for that and a time for that. There's Correct. a time when we absolutely need to be communicating that, that we are so remorseful and we are so sorry. And there's, you know, that's a perfectly legitimate place to be. But it, when we get stuck there, it's often because we we're holding on to some illusion that somehow if this would just change, my life going forward wouldn't be what it is and it would be different and it wouldn't be my fault, you know, that it isn't. It would just magically sort of happen that if I had had that moment be different, everything else would be different that follows. One of the great, great things to remember about God, as far as I'm concerned, is he doesn't just have a plan B. He has a plan C and D and E and F. His greatest genius, in my mind, is not his ability to create, but his ability to redeem. He can turn everything that happens in this life to our good if we will let him. But if we stay stuck in the past, we stay in this place where we think our only chance of happiness or of doing good in the world or of really fulfilling our mission or whatever it may be is if we could somehow go back and undo something that we think is now standing in our way. There are consequences for choices that we make. And there are some things that, you know, there's some things that you've done that you can't just, you can't just repair exactly the way you could have, you know, had life if you hadn't done that thing. But there is always good that can come out of any struggle 
if we will turn it to the Lord and say, teach me, help me, help me see what, where do I go next that will allow me to contribute and to learn and to make a difference for good and not just stay stuck in the place that I think I have to get out of in order for my life to go forward. Right. Effectively, you know, it's almost in some ways preventing that, you know, we're not allowing his creative process because the creation and redeeming are really one and the same, right? He's creating new opportunities. Yeah. New opportunities for us, new connections, new solutions that we clearly can't see or create. And so to hold on to the old pieces and hope that somehow we can cobble together something from that on our own with our own rumination, our own fear or anxiety is so limiting what's possible. So I I love that perspective. So another question for you then with self-forgiveness. So why in your experience, why don't you think repentance by itself is enough to, you know, for us to feel some of that release, that self-forgiveness? Because if we've truly repented of something, right? And the idea is that we then feel that relief and we can kind of let go. But so many of us, like you were saying, just we stay stuck there. We have a hard time even after a thorough repentance process. Why do you think that is? To be honest, Jeff, I think some of it is sometimes we just are, we don't understand exactly what this human process is about. I can remember a time in my life when I kind of had the image that I came here in this innocent, perfect state. And my job was to get back to God in as close as possible to that same state as I was in when I left him, that state of innocent sort of perfecting perfection kind mm-hmm. of goodness that I, that I came to life in. Right. That was my goal. And, and it, it sort of starts to hit you, you know, when you think about that, then if that were the goal, my best course of action would be to, you know, lay down in my crib on the day that I'm born and never get up or, you know, die young, basically. Right, right. That's not the goal. Our goal in coming here is to learn things we cannot learn by staying in that innocent place. We are trying to learn by our own experience good from evil. And that means we not only have to have the opportunity to see what evil causes us in our lives, but our own capacity for evil and our own capacity to hurt others. And in order to really gain compassion and empathy for this whole process, we need experience with all kinds of things, including our own willful rebellion and our own limitations. When we experience those things, we make choices then about what do I do next? So sin just means that we change our minds about what will truly make us, well, repentance rather means we change our minds about what will truly make us better and happier. And we renounce the path of sin that we've been on and take a different path instead. So that's all growth. And in that growth process, inevitably, almost, it seems to me, when people really look back on the most regretted things in their lives, if they really think about it, they can see things that they learned from that experience that were extremely valuable Mm -hmm. and worth learning. Right. And if repentance is really, like you said, about getting back to this pure state of innocence, we're missing the whole process. We don't, we clearly don't understand it. And, and the goal then is just to create meaning. And, And I think and like you said, learn and grow from it. And if we're doing that, then the self-forgiveness sort of, basically we receive that as that gift and keep moving forward with it with a very clear expectation that we'll probably learn something else down the road that's going to be painful and we'll just keep going forward with that. Exactly. I think another thing that does get in our way are some mental health issues that we need to clear up in order to have some more options open up to us. Yes. People struggling with depression, for example, are notorious for 
having too high of a set of expectations for themselves and getting too hard on themselves when Mm -hmm. things go wrong. And some of that is something we need to learn, something that we can work with, that we need to change our minds about. And some of it just kind of comes with the territory of sort of having kind of a depressive sort of way of dealing with life or a depressive kind of style or a depression disorder. Anxiety can do kind of the same thing, except anxiety tends to go more toward the future. Well, I won't be able to control the future. So if I haven't figured out how to fix this problem, I will, I, I'm just, you know, it's just it's so anxiety provoking for me because I'm not, I realize I'm really not in control. I put all my effort into making sure no one ever hurts me again, or I never do anything wrong again. And those are just not possible. Our hope needs to be in, I will do my best, but I will have hard things happen to me. People will misuse their agency against in ways that end up being against me. I will end up making mistakes. I will end up doing things that I regret. And my, my hope is not in prevention, but in trusting that I, I'll be able to figure this out and cope with it and go forward as hard as it may be with the help of the Lord and with the help of other people. OCD kinds of stuff. People are just notorious when you're dealing with obsessive compulsive kinds of issues of trying to get it all perfect and just having a terrible time if they've made any mistake and letting it go. And so we have to sort of deal with those realities in our lives. People with kind of narcissism kinds of issues, and we don't have to be, you know, the full-blown narcissistic personality disorder that we sort of imagine being, you know, somebody who's just really self-centered and really awful in order to have those kinds of shame, pride, teeter-totter issues going on in our lives where we really are dealing with a lot of shame in our lives and we maybe have learned to kind of compensate for that shame with a kind of, I'm really better than other people. I'm not really worse than other people. And we, you know, we can flip back and forth between those two where we want to be a little better, but we really feel a little worse. And all of those things are, are mental health issues that once we get to the bottom of some of those, can speed along or help us with the process of self-forgiveness. Yeah. And I think if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I really struggle to you know, move past my own mistakes or feel like I can you know, receive sort of that forgiveness, then it's probably wise to check in with the mental health professional and see if there are some of these things getting in the way. So I, I'm really glad that you brought that up. I think that's a lot of people can suffer needlessly thinking that they're just doing it wrong. Yeah. And and this is just, I mean, our brain health and our mental health are part of the limitations that we came here to mortality to also experience. It's fascinating to me that the Lord's purpose in us coming here was to help empower us, to help endow us with the power that he has, and that the path to doing that seems to be to help us experience our weakness. That's a fascinating paradox to me. There's something really valuable about coming to face our human limitations and our weakness that allows us, with his help, to grow in ways that will actually empower us in amazing ways. But we have to work with him and accept that these limitations and weaknesses are part of what we came here to experience. Yeah. In your book, I mean, obviously, we can't even pretend to cover this entire topic where you wrote an entire book on it. But in the remaining time here, if it's possible, you really go through an outline in the book, which I love. You go through and try and sequentially sort of organize this so that you can carry the reader through this process of how they can receive and, you know, open up to this grace, this, this permission to be human and move through things, whether they've made a serious mistake 
committed some grievous sin, but they can absolutely be released and be free through the proper steps. And so the four steps that I took from it were the, you know, clarifying our beliefs, qualifying for forgiveness and grace, overcoming internal obstacles to peace, and then trusting God. And I, I, we've touched on some of these, but, you know, I know it's asking a lot, but I'm just curious if you can kind of summarize what that process is, kind of what the arc is when you walk somebody through this process of forgiving themselves. So, yes, I'd be happy to. Thank you. The first one, you've summarized it really nicely, clarifying our beliefs. This is, what are our values? How are we living up to them? How are we not? What are our beliefs about what the purpose of life is? Do we really, are we really solid in our trust in the Lord? Do we, are we holding on to images of him as somebody who is filled with vengeance or criticism or judgment? Or do we trust that just as he asks us to be kind and merciful and compassionate and long suffering and patient, that he is all of those things as well? really examining what we believe about the reality of God's character and attributes, the purpose of life, our own values, all of those things are a really helpful starting place. And what what are we holding on to that might be getting in our way? Or what have we not yet discovered that we may need to help us move forward? The second step is qualifying for forgiveness and grace. And that starts with understanding the difference between a weakness and a sin which we may need to pray about because what's a a, a sin for me may be a weakness for you and vice versa. It's not just something we can line up. We need the the gifts of the spirit. We need careful pondering and and thought to distinguish what part of this particular problem I'm dealing with is a willful rebellion, you know, a a participating in my own self-deception and what part of it is you know, I I just I'm trying. I want to change. I'm working at it. I'm I'm doing the best that I that I can figure out to do and I'm willing to keep at it, but I can't just I can't just flip the switch on it again. So we know we need forgiveness when we have sinned and we know we need to repent, to change our mind, to make restitution to the degree that we can to to renounce that sin and move forward. When we're dealing with a human limitation, a weakness, the scripture in Ether 12:27 reminds us that we need humility that he, the Lord gives us weakness, that we'll be humble, and that if we will be humble and have faith in him, rely on his atonement, rely on his grace, his grace is sufficient. So when we repent, we are forgiven and we are clean. When we are dealing with a weakness, we need humility and faith in him to continue the process of practicing and working at something and sticking with it over a long period of time and making the gradual process that is kind of more typical in the in the process of dealing with a weakness than with dealing with a sin. So then uh, the third one you mentioned is overcoming internal obstacles to peace. And, and those are some of the things we were talking about a few minutes ago, dealing with our depression, dealing with our anxiety, dealing with our pride, dealing with our personality disorders, dealing with our trauma, which is often a real big issue in people. It, we we when we've been traumatized in our early years, especially, we come to all kinds of conclusions about what we must do in order to stay on the right side of some bad thing in order to avoid it or protect ourselves from it. And often we don't have nearly as much control as we think we should when we're five or 10 or 15. And so dealing with that trauma can be helpful in, um, in, in getting to a place where we can begin to let go of holding ourselves accountable for something that we actually don't control at all. 
And then finally, trusting the Lord. Do we trust that He is the God He says He is? That His ways and His thoughts are not our ways and our thoughts, and that He doesn't just stand up there shaking His finger at us, but that we need to let go of the images that have formed that in our minds, that sort of idol of who God is, that's an idol of our own making based on the traditions of our parents or the culture that we live in or the conclusions we came to at way too early of an age about how to manage something really difficult and traumatic that need to be revisited, that allow us to see God in a new light and trust Him as being absolutely 100% on our side, helping us, willing to, to forgive, willing to work with us, wanting he always speaks with to us with a voice that is that is compassionate and loving especially if we are even making half of an effort to do what's right even when he speaks to us you know when somebody is really messing up my experience has been that he may be firm he may be clear but he will not be sarcastic he will not be uncharitable he will not be cruel and uh, and and so that's something we need to learn to distinguish his voice from the voices in our head that are quite capable of being sarcastic and cruel and all of those other things. So yeah. that's kind of the- yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much. That is that's a wonderful summary. And I'm just curious, like, how do we know? I mean, how do you know when you need to you know start to apply some of the self forgiveness? I mean, I. I I think about just the regular, hey, forgive me for what I've done. You know, I'm struggling through this. I'm trying to be, trying to learn and grow and the humans up. But when can you, what would you say to someone? How do, how do they know when they, they're like, I really need to probably do some deeper work on self-forgiveness? When, how does that show up? Well, when, when our lives are kind of held hostage to a past that we cannot change because we cannot change the past. So when we are ruminating about it when we are going over and over about how different and better our lives would be if it only if it weren't for just that one horrible thing or how you know much we are stuck because of the bad choices we've made or whatever it might be when we are feeling stuck because of something that that is in the past that we cannot change because we can't we can only change the future mm-hmm. we can only change the present then um, it's time to take a hard look at that and say okay let me, I, I need to, I need to see if I can work on this. I think with the experience that the Lord talks about with forgiving uh, others, when he says, you know, you forgive 70 times seven, we may have to do that with ourselves as well. And um, we, we may, you know, find that these things do just come up again and again. It's not like you, any more than you forgive another person just one time, and then it's all done forever and ever, which doesn't usually happen. We don't necessarily forgive ourselves one time and then it's, you know, finally over and done and it'll never come up again. Sometimes people think, well, I'm not able to find peace with this because the Lord really hasn't forgiven me or it really is unforgivable or there's just something more that I need to do to make restitution for this. And that may not be the case. It may just be that our adversary, who is is also known as... Uh, the accuser of the brethren, the accuser of the good people is how I think of it, is in our minds going after us and, um, and accusing us. And we are hearing that voice and it becomes our own voice accusing ourselves. And sometimes it's a matter of saying, wait a minute, I've been down this path many times. I know what I believe here. I know what I want. I am going to make the choice to ignore this voice and to choose again to trust in my advocate 
in Jesus Christ. An advocate is the person who is always on your side, and he is always on our side. He will not be the voice accusing us in our minds. I love that. Boy, that's a great place to end right there. The book is Forgiving Ourselves, and it's available anywhere books are sold, right, Wendy? I think it's still out. Yes. Yeah. It's, I still have my copy. It's so. years now, but uh, I think it's still, it's still on the shelf. So well, I thank re- you, Jeff, Yeah, and your thoughtful comments and, and your thoughtful questions and uh, your empathy with all of us as we struggle with these situations. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for making time for this. And I definitely encourage all of my listeners to grab a copy of this. And you know, just as you obviously work on your own self-forgiveness and your own kind of trying to open up and receive these things, but also just to, to deepen your own compassion and capacity with those that are relying on you to support them and love them and guide them through their struggles as well. Because like you said, Wendy, we can do so much to to be that compassionate voice and not be sarcastic or judgmental, but really give room for people to heal. I think we could all use a little more of that from each other. You know, one of the greatest reasons I've heard for working on this ourselves is that when we overplay the I'm a terrible person card and I, you know, I I don't deserve to be forgiven. This is not the example we want to set for our children. We want them to know, no, I can forgive ourselves, myself and you can too. And we need to all learn how to move forward together and not stay stuck in the past. Mm, I love it. I love it. Well, once again, thank you. I will put links to all your stuff in the show notes. But again, thank you so much for your time, Wendy. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for all you do. You can learn more about Dr. Ulrich and her work at 16stones.net. You can also go to amazon.com and find her author page. And I'll link to both of these in the show notes so that you can find her more easily. She's written extensively on these topics that we're discussing, and she's a great wealth of knowledge. And I highly encourage you to look at her work and follow her and uh, learn more about the great insights that she has to share. Thank you once again, Dr. Ulrich, for all your wonderful time and expertise and compassion and support. You are just a treasure. And I'm just grateful that you spent time with us today on the podcast. And once again, I want to thank all of you, my listeners, for supporting the Illuminate podcast, for sharing it with others and for always leaving great reviews and ratings and offering this to so many people out there. I'm always open to your comments and feedback and support. And you can find me at Jeff, G-E-O-F-F, at lovingmarriage.com. You're welcome to email me there. And I'd be happy to respond to any questions or comments or feedback or suggestions you have for the podcast. And I look forward to being with all of you in the next episode of the Illuminate Podcast. Podcast.